Philippians 2.12 says, It is God who works in you to will and to act. Is God doing that work in you right now, in this moment? If so, what does that work involve? And what does God want you to do with the work he's doing in you? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. What exactly does the Bible teach about how to grow and change, how to please God, how to become more like Christ, how to make progress? What's God's role and what's my role? Exactly how do the two fit together and how much effort should I be putting forth? I don't know of any passage in the whole Bible that answers those questions more directly than Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So, let's just think for a minute about God at work in us. Just let let that sink in. God at work in you. God's doing the work. You're being worked on. Sometimes I'll read a Christian book by some leader who will say, you know, I just want to find out where God is at work and I want to join him in that. And typically what they mean by that, if you keep reading, is that they want to find uh, something that's happening that's big and spectacular and that's obviously God at work and, and you know, some giant ministry that's attracting a lot of people and is making a big splash and uh, that's obviously God at work. I want to get involved in that. Is that really the right way to discern whether God is at work in something? Is is that what he taught Elijah? Didn't he teach Elijah the exact opposite? You got the big storm and the earthquake and all this big, huge stuff, and God was not in any of that? What was he in? He was in the still, small voice. If you want to find out where God is at work so that you can get in on that work, don't go around looking for some huge, spectacular, big, massive thing. If you want to know where God is at work, don't go looking for miracles and all kinds of... If you want to know where God is at work, you don't have to look any farther than your own heart. That's where God's at work. God is at work in you. That's what it says. So think about that. If If you're truly born again, if you're a true child of God, you have an infinite, perfect, loving being working inside you you have a person who is infinitely holy working in you you've got a person a being who has infinite wisdom knows everything loves you enough to die for you working inside you you have someone who's never frustrated he always carries out his perfect plan without any problem without fail that kind of a being working in you that's the who the what what is he doing working he's doing work that means he's putting forth effort he's expending energy for towards a specified end that's that's what work means He's changing things, repairing things, creating things, manipulating things, eliminating things, altering things, adjusting things. 
He's, he's applying his intelligence and his power towards accomplishing some goal in you. What goal? Well, sanctification. The, the goal, he's trying to transform, transform you into the image of Christ, to make you more holy, more righteous, more pure, more loving, more humble, wiser, stronger faith, greater joy, deeper love, all of that. He's working, that's what he's working towards in you. God is working to bring all that about. Now, here's where people start to struggle. Because they think, if I'm doing all those things, how is it that it's God doing them? But if it's God doing them, how is it that I'm not just a robot? Um, if God forces me to do something by overriding my will, then he's just manipulating me into doing it, and it's not really me doing it. So, picture a Christian doing some act of godliness. Like resisting a temptation. So, so this guy's sitting at his computer. Suddenly he's tempted to look at an impure image on the, on, online and, and, and he's tempted, but then he stops himself and he says, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The blessings that Christ offers me um, with fellowship with him are so sweet to me. I'm not going to sacrifice them. They're better to me, to my soul, more satisfying to my soul than this sin. And so uh, and besides that, I love him and I want to honor him, not dishonor him. And so I'm going to prefer Christ's way over this sinful thing. And, and so he ends up doing what's right and honoring God. That's, that, that, that happens. And if you tell him, hey, that was God that did that in you, he, he's going to think, okay, but... I, it felt like me. <laughs> I was there. I mean, it felt to me like, I mean, I was having these battle and these thoughts in, in my mind, my heart, and then I'm the one that decided to shut down my computer and go out for a walk and pray. And I, it's just, it felt like, it seemed like it was me. And if it wasn't me, then why would God be pleased with me for doing it. Why would God reward me for doing that if it wasn't really me who was acting? And another question. If it's not really me, how do I explain my sin? How do I explain the fact that sometimes I do cave in and commit the sin and decide to disobey? What, what happened there? If it's God at work. Well, the answer to all that is it was you it was you both the sin and the righteousness it was you every single time you do something that's godly and righteous it's because of your will and your actions it's because you desired something you desired the right thing and you chose a good thing and you did a good thing desiring and choosing that's will doing that's that's acting uh, so uh, the, the, that that Act of righteousness came from your will, came from your, your willing, your desiring, your choosing, your, your uh, acting. And if that's the case, how can we say it came from God? And the answer is right here in verse 13. It's your willing and acting, but it's God who works in you to bring about that willing and acting. He doesn't override your will. He works for, in you to will. So if you obey, it's you who's doing the obeying. He doesn't obey for you. You're actually obeying. But once you do it, you realize it was God who influenced you to do it. And how does God do that? How does God influence you? Countless ways. How does God work in you to will and to act? Countless ways. 
He might uh, open up your most obvious way. He'd open up your your heart to understand something in the scriptures that you didn't understand before, or to notice something that you hadn't noticed before, and it's just the right thing for you. Or he'll maybe uh, bring specific memories to mind at, the, at just the right moment that'll help you. Or he arranges for you to walk into a situation with certain people who are going to have a specific effect on your thinking and your feelings, and that's going to help you. Or uh, he uses a trial, suffering in your life to bring about changes in the way that you think about things and your perspective and and how you feel. He'll he'll bring other people into your life to influence your attitudes and your outlook. Or maybe there'll be times when you do some good thing and right at the moment when you do that righteous thing, God reaches down into your soul and makes a connection between that good thing and this good feeling so that it's reinforced. So it's easier next time. Or maybe he, he, he makes a connection in your heart between this sin and this negative feeling so that it's, um, uh, it, it, you develop an aversion to that sin and, and it's easier next time to resist. Sometimes he'll, he'll open your eyes to perspectives that make you walk down a certain path that bring you into a certain situation that help you make, grow and make progress. Um, he sometimes gives you a discomfort with your spiritual condition. You're just like, I don't want to be like this anymore. That's God working in you to will. You ever had tears in your eyes because you dishonored God? That was God working in you to will. God will work in you to generate appetites, you know. He'll just just create appetites for virtue and godliness. I want that. I want to be this way. Or he'll have you see some godly person that has a particular virtue or read a biography or whatever about it. Some, Some person, and he's like, I want that. I want to be that way. And you're motivated. You're inspired. Um, uh, it's no problem for God to work in your heart. God does it all. Scripture talks about this all the time. God, God working in people's hearts. Second Chronicles 30, verse 12. God gave people the unity of mind. Um, in Ezra 1, 5, God stirred up the people to rebuild the temple. He stirred up their hearts. Uh, in chapter 7, he put it in their hearts to do another work. It's, it's, scripture talks about this all the time. It's no problem for God to work in the human heart. Without, he doesn't have to manipulate. He doesn't have to override your free will. He can, he can influence your will. So that's what God does. So, so if that's what God is doing, then what's my role? God's working in me to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So that, therefore, what, what should I do? Should I just get out of the way and sit back and let it happen? Trying to interfere? Or do I have some responsibility that I need to be proactive and, and, and do something? Which is it? Well, the answer is in verse 12. Remember, verse 13 is the reason for verse 12. That's what the word for means. So, uh, uh, so you should do what verse 12 says because of what verse 13 says. Or to put it the other way, verse 13 is true, therefore do verse 12. Okay? That's the connection between these verses. So look, look at verse 13. It is God who's working in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Okay, That's a fact. It's not a command there. That's just a fact. God's working in you. Therefore, because of that fact, here's the ramification for your life. Verse 12. Just as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, What's the logical conclusion to God working in you? It's God who's working in you, therefore be passive. It's God working in you, inside you, therefore let go and let God. God is doing this work inside you, therefore stop trying and start trusting. Uh, no, 
No, none of those are the right conclusion. The correct conclusion is, God is doing the work inside you, therefore, obey. That's the correct conclusion to draw. That's the connection between these verses. So Paul's giving yet another reason to obey. And if you've been with us in recent weeks, you've seen this. Is, he's, he keeps giving us reasons to obey. Go all the way back to that verse, section 6 to 8. In chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, we saw that we should obey Jesus because he gave us a model for obedience in his humiliation. Right? Uh, we, we should obey because we serve an obedient Savior. Then in verses 9 to 11, we saw another reason to obey. We should obey him because he's the ultimate judge of all mankind before whom every knee will bow in his exaltation. And therefore, we should obey. And now in verse 13, we're finding a third reason, another reason to obey. We should obey because it is God who is working in you for his good pleasure. Therefore, obey with fear and trembling. So everything in this passage is pointing to verse 12. He does that whole section in verses 6 to 11, and then he says, therefore, and then verse 12. And then he says, for, and then verse 13. So everything before verse 12 and after verse 12 is pointing to verse 12. Obedience with fear and trembling is the conclusion. God is, right now and at every moment during the day, applying his intelligence and power to produce a result in you. Just like the creation week in Genesis 1, God is creating something right now in you. An hour from now, he's going to do something in you and sit back and say, it is good. God is going to do that work, and he's going to put that work in your hands. What will you do with it? Think about how you would handle it if it were a lesser work from some human source. Suppose a world-famous craftsman made something specifically for you. A world-class tailor designs an outfit for you. A famous chef makes a special meal just for you. Or maybe you're into guns. Imagine a world-class gunsmith examines your grip and the length of your arms and the way you shoot and designs the perfect rifle just for you. How would you handle that? Well, you'd be careful with it, right? You'd prize it. You'd Try to make the best use of it that you could. You'd try to take advantage of all the excellence that went into making it. Try to think that way about the work God does in you today. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. The greatest craftsman will do some work on the thing that he's creating in you today. Be careful how you handle that work. Be careful what you do with that masterpiece. Be mindful of the work so that you can cooperate with it instead of defacing it. Thank you, Father, for all the work that you've done in me by your Spirit. Thank you for the things you've done to teach me humility keeping me from plunging headlong into becoming an insufferable narcissist. Thank you for sparking interest in my heart to hear and understand your word. There are some sins that have always been disgusting to me, Lord. They have no appeal whatsoever. Thank you for that. I see people who are attracted to some of those sins who are so miserable and such horrible bondage, and that would be me if you hadn't spared me that and worked in me to hate those sins. There are other sins that are appealing to me, 
But even those, you have worked in me to keep me from giving myself over to them completely. Even after I've damaged my conscience, you have revived my conscience over and over and brought me back to repentance. Thank you, Lord, for all those moments when you showed me a way that I could show kindness to someone, and then you prompted me to do it. Thank you for making that feel good to me. And thank you for designing me the way you did so that my ways of showing kindness are unique and meet people's needs, certain people's needs, in ways that others can't. Thank you for all the times you brought me out of my spells of self-pity, depression, selfishness, laziness, selfish anger. Every time I recovered from any of those, it was your work in me. Thank you for all the work you've done in me that I'm oblivious to. I didn't even notice it. Only you see it. But without it, I'd be in a lot worse shape. Thank you for all the work you've already done. Thank you for the work you're planning on doing in me today. Please, Father, open my eyes to see it and give me the grace to cooperate with it. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.